lot of you know this last weekend I was away. I've been gone for about a week and a half, not quite two weeks to uh, India. And we had a great team that went and just uh, we were able to do a, a youth camp for about 1,600 teenagers. And those teenagers are all residents of orphanages around Eastern, uh, Eastern India. And so they bust in. Some of them traveled uh, 14 or 15 hours in order to get to the camp. And we were just able to minister to those kids and love on them and bless them this week. And it was so much fun. We really enjoyed it. And in my stead, Kim uh, preached last week and did a wonderful job. And just, uh, I was so grateful for the message she preached. And um, she stole all my good materials. So I don't know what I'm gonna talk about today, but it'll be fine. Um, but no, she did a great job last week. But we had such a, a great time in India. And um, the, the ministry we worked with is called Good News India. Some of you remember Dr. Faiz Rahman. He was with us about a year and a half ago talking about the ministry there. And we were able to go and serve and just bless and be blessed by everything that's going on there. And these kids are in situations that they have come out of that are so desperate and so hopeless sometimes, but to see the joy that's on their face. And I told our team when we went um, that for most of us, these are some of the roughest living conditions we'll ever be in. Um, it was, you know, just the food was okay, um, but the, it was cold water, except you couldn't drink the cold water, so the water you drank was lukewarm. So the water you bathed in was freezing cold, like, you know, <gasps> like that kind of cold, you know what I'm talking about? Um, and you sweat all the time, except we were in the ice cold freezing water, and the beds were not really beds. They, you know, they were like that thick mattress on wood. And my bed collapsed because they don't build beds big enough for guys like me, I guess. So there's all kinds of issues, but I told our team, I said, you know what, we could complain about our situation or we could understand that the kids that are at this camp have worse conditions than we do, and this is gonna be the best week of their lives. This is gonna be a week that they're gonna remember for the rest of their lives. This is gonna be a week that they will celebrate and think about, and, and uh, so it was just a great experience. Um, the, the, the director asked me to, do a couple of sessions on healthy relationships and godly relationships and what biblical marriage looks like uh, because it's a hin largely Hindu nation and um, it's very different than what we understand and what we value. And so at the end of my sessions, we did question and answer. And so they wrote all these questions down and they put it in this big bucket and the bucket was full. We could have answered questions for four hours probably. Um, but one of the questions that was asked, it was, kind of, it was kind of odd to me. I didn't really understand it. But the interpreter read the question to the crowd. So he'd read the question out loud to the kids and it was really disconcerting because he would read the question and then the kids, 1,600 Indian children erupt in laughter. <laughs> they would just laugh and laugh. And I didn't know what the question was, but I know that they're laughing about the question they're asking me, like, and so it was making me nervous. So they'd ask the question and some of them were funny, but this one question in particular, the, the interpreter read the question and then my interpreter read it to me and he said, um, the question is, um, my auntie and I want to be married, is that okay? And now I'm from Oklahoma, and even in Oklahoma, that's a little weird, right? Like, you know, cousins maybe, aunts, I don't know, you know. And I thought, well, that's so weird. And I said, well, no, it's not okay. And biblically, here's why. And culturally, here's why. And just uh, physiologically, here's why. And so I would just walk through it. And so I just finished and said, there's no reason you should ever marry someone that's in your bloodline. And he he repeated what I said in, in, in Hindi, and when he did, people started clapping all over the room. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people started clapping, and I thought, that is so weird. And when we finished, I asked the director, I said, why did they clap like that? 
And he said, well, a lot of these girls were victims of that. Because in, in Indian culture, if you can't afford to take care of your child, one of the things you can do is offer them in marriage to their uncle. So he said there would be 10 or 11 or 12-year-old girls that were offered to their uncle in marriage. And they didn't wanna do that, obviously. They didn't wanna be victims of that. And the family would say, if you don't do that, we're disowning you. And so what Good News India did is they were able to come in and say, hey, you've got a choice. You, you don't have to go with your uncle. You don't have to be disowned. You can come and be a part and we can rescue you. And so they've rescued hundreds of girls who their only option was either to be homeless or to live in an arranged marriage with an uncle. And, and let's be honest, it would, it would be rape. And they didn't wanna do that. And Good News India comes alongside and they rescue these girls. We heard stories over and over and over about kids who uh, had lost their parents because their parents had committed suicide. And one of the little girls that we met, um, she had found her mom who had killed herself as a six-year-old child. There was a little girl, uh, Jean and Mona Saucier were part of our team. They do a great job with our kids' ministry. They volunteer in there. And uh, Jean and Mona, were, we were at this very first place we went to, and the director said, hey, Jean, you might remember this girl. You met her when you were here five years ago. And they said, I don't, I don't remember her. And they said, yeah, I remember the little girl that we found under the bridge. The authorities found this baby girl abandoned under a bridge and they brought that baby to Good News India. And he said, do you remember that? And Gene said, yeah. And he said, this is that little girl. These literally were kids that have been abandoned, kids that had no hope, kids that had no future. And they were brought to Good News India and they were given a hope and they were given a future. Um, they were given an opportunity for education. They were given an opportunity to know Jesus. And, uh, and it was so incredible to see and be a part of that and just be able to love on these kids who, by our standards, you look at it and go, man, they're hopeless. They have no future. They, you know, we feel sorry for them. But they don't look at it like that at all. They look at their situation. They're, they're grateful for where God has brought them. They're grateful for what their future looks like. And, uh, and I'm so glad that we get to be a part of that. And I'm so glad that we have a church that believes in investing in ministry. That believes in investing in ministry, not just here, but around the world. That we wanna see people changed, not just in our backyard, not just across the street, but across the globe. And so I wanna say thank you for investing in the ministry that happens here at the summit, but not just the ministry that happens in this room or in this building, but the ministry that happens through this church around the globe. It truly is changing lives. It truly is impacting people all over the world for the glory of God. And I just wanna say thank you for that. Uh, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for partnering with us in that, making things like this possible. Um, if you wanna give today, there's several ways you can do so. At the summit, we don't pass offering plates around, uh, but we have offering bo uh, boxes at the back of the room, up in the balcony, and two in the back by the main doors. And if you wanna give, there's several ways you can do that. You can take this offering envelope out of the seat back in front of you. It'll tell you all the different ways you can give. But if you'd like to give with cash, just simply drop it in this offering envelope, fill out the information, and drop it in the offering boxes as you leave today. If you'd like to give with a check, just make it out to the summit, drop it in the offering box, and then um, we'll collect that. Um, if you wanna give with debit or credit card, all you have to do is visit our website, summitpa.church, hit the give button at the top of the screen. It'll tell you how you can give a one-time gift or recurring gifts from your bank account, whatever you'd like to do there. And then finally, if you wanna give via your mobile device, you can text your giving in by texting the word SUMMITPA to the number 77977. And when you do that, you'll get a response back and it'll tell you how you can, again, do a one-time gift, set up recurring gifts, whatever you'd like to do with your debit or credit card. So again, thank you for your generosity. As you give today, we truly are seeing people's lives changed around the world and I appreciate you being part of that. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you for giving us so much. As we give back to you today, I pray that you be glorified through our gift. I pray that you would be glorified in us and through us. And God, I pray that lives would be changed because of the generosity that we display, the generosity that reflects your love and your grace to this world. So God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Again, thank you for your generosity. We appreciate you partnering with us and being a part of what God is doing. It really is fun to see. Our team, the rest of the team, I left a little early. The rest of the team is on their way back now. They flew in about 8.30 or so uh, to to Dulles in Washington, D.C. And uh, some of our folks went down and picked them up and they're driving them back now. So they're en route. They should be here in a couple hours or so, I would imagine. We love them. They did a great job on that trip as well. Uh, Last week, I mentioned this last week, my wife brought an incredible message. We started a series on the Holy Spirit. It's just called The Spirit, The God I Never Knew. And uh, the next couple of weeks, we're just gonna be unpacking the Holy Spirit and talking about uh, who he is, what he does and kind of what it's all about. Because the truth is, so many people in this room, if you grew up in church or around church, maybe you heard about the Holy Spirit, but you didn't ever talk about the Holy Spirit. And maybe if you did talk about the Holy Spirit, it was weird. Um, and I love one of the things Kim said last week. She said uh, that the, the, the Holy Spirit's not weird. Weird people make the Holy Spirit weird. Uh, and that's 100% true. Um, when I was a youth pastor, I used to um, I used to have homeschool kids in my youth ministry, and I I thought homeschool kids are weird. Did anybody else ever think that? Now, if you're sitting here in your homeschool, let me let me finish my statement first, okay? I realized later homeschool kids aren't weird. See, I thought homeschooling made kids weird, but it's not. Weird parents make kids weird. Whether your kids are in public school or private school or homeschool, if you're weird, your kids are gonna be weird. It's just true. That is just the way it is. So homeschooling doesn't make kids weird. Weird parents make kids weird. And this is the same thing with the Holy Spirit, in my opinion. I, I really believe that um, people make the Holy Spirit weird. We wouldn't think, we wouldn't even think about saying that Jesus is weird, right? Well, that Jesus, man, people get Jesus and they're weird. No, they don't say that, do they? They say it with the Holy Spirit, though. Man, the Holy Spirit's weird. I don't wanna be around that stuff. That's weird. But the truth is, it's not weird. Uh, if we look at scripture, if we unpack what it's really all about, it makes a lot of sense. And the truth is, uh, the Holy Spirit is not supposed to be relegated to something we talk about or do or live in on a Saturday or Sunday. It's supposed to be something that's a part of our life every day of the week. Uh, and it's something we're supposed to live in and flow in and walk in. Uh, but the truth is, there's so many misconceptions about who he is and about what he does. Last week, Kim talked about uh, the topic, who is he? And she said, he's a person. He's not an it, it's not a thing, he's not an inanimate object. Um, I love when she said, I think she said, uh, I can't be friends with this table, it's an inanimate object. And it was like, that's 100% right. The Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, he has a personality, uh, he has values, all those kind of things. He is a person, he's a real person. Uh, but he's also God. So she said, he's a person, he is God. Uh, and we'll see this in one of the passages we look at later, that, uh, that he is deity. He is part of the Trinity uh, with Jesus and God. And so the same honor and respect we would give to God, we, we give to the Holy Spirit because they are three in one. And in, in the same way that water uh, in different conditions, it functions as ice or vapor, the, the chemical properties are exactly the same between those three forms, water, uh, ice, and vapor, but, but they function differently in different environments, the same way that the Holy Spirit functions differently. Uh, she also said that he's our helper. And, uh, and this is where I'll spend a little bit of time talking today on that. She did a great job with that, but I want to take it a little further. And the last thing she said is he's our friend. Um, has anybody ever had a weird friend before? Somebody that was a little off or, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. You're like, you're our weird friend, Mel. You, collectively, right? Um, 
But the truth is we all have somebody in our lives that maybe, maybe they make us a little bit uncomfortable, right? But something about them, we just love them and they love us and we're connected in relationship. And I really feel like in some ways that's what the Holy Spirit is about. The Holy Spirit makes us a little bit uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit takes us to places maybe we don't wanna go sometimes. But the Holy Spirit can be our very best friend if we allow that to happen. So last week she hit that. And if you didn't listen to the message, I wanna encourage you, go back and listen to it. It really is, it lays such a great groundwork and foundation for where we're going with the rest of the series. And it really was one of the best messages, I mean this, and I'm not just saying this because she's here, one of the best messages I've ever heard on the, the person of the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna encourage you, go back and listen to that or watch it on our website. Uh, so today we're gonna talk about what does he do? And so I wanna start with this passage in John chapter 16. Jesus was preparing his disciples. He was preparing them for the moment when he would be departing, when he would be um, crucified, resurrected, and then ascended into heaven, and he would not be around anymore. So he's trying to prepare them in, in, in kind of veiled ways without just explicitly telling them what's gonna happen. So this is what he says in verse five of John chapter 16. He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? So he's saying, I'm going to the one who sent me. I'm going back to heaven to be with God. And it says in verse six, but because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Change is hard. When we lose a relationship or friendship, it's difficult. And Jesus is saying, uh, you've been dependent on me for three years, and so now I'm gonna be gone. It's gonna be difficult for you, and, and you're sorrowful because of that. And verse seven says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now listen to this. Jesus Christ is manifest. He's physically present with them. And he says, I need to go because if I don't, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be problematic for you. It's gonna be an advantage to you if I go away because if I go away, the Holy Spirit can come. Jesus is saying in, in the season that's to come, it's gonna be more important for you to have the Holy Spirit with you than it's going to be to have me physically present with you. That is a big statement to make. Because it's, it's Jesus, right? None of us would downplay the value of Jesus. But Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not saying I'm not important, but the Holy Spirit is gonna be important for you in this next season. To go to the next level, you need the Holy Spirit to be here. And he says this in verse eight, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will, not see, or you will no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, this is what he says. He says, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts. So what does he do? He convicts. And Kim talked about this last week. We don't like this word very much, convicts, because we, we think about it in terms of a courtroom and a judge convicting us and we're guilty and we're sentenced. We don't like that. But, but let's shift the word. What if instead of we use the word convict, what if we talked about convince? Because that's really, that's really what the root is and what it's related to. So what if we say the Holy Spirit convinces us and convinces the world? Because this is what the Holy Spirit does. We think of conviction as, as crushing. As the Holy Spirit comes along and says, you are dirt, you are the worst sinner in the world. How could God ever love you? And we go, yeah, how could God ever love me? And that's not how the Holy Spirit works. What the Holy Spirit does is he convinces us. So what happens is for people who are not believers, they're going about their life, they're living their life, they're doing the things they wanna do. And then one day it's like something happens in their heart and they feel this little tug like maybe maybe this isn't the best way. And what that is is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is convincing them of sin in their life. Does that make sense? He's helping them see maybe there's a better way than what we're living. And the Holy Spirit doesn't crush us. The Holy Spirit convinces us. The Holy Spirit works in us. 
So he, he convicts unbelievers of sin, helps them see that, that there's a standard and that there's sin involved there. Then he convicts as to righteousness. And Jesus says, um, the standard of righteousness is gonna be hard because I'm leaving. So it was easy with Jesus standing there. He was their standard of righteousness. He lived a perfect life. So if you're a disciple following Jesus, you could go literally, okay, if Jesus does it, I need to do it because that's the standard for righteousness. Does that make sense? But with Jesus absent from the equation, he says the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of righteousness and help the world see that there's a standard for right living or right thinking. And then he goes on to say, um, convict the world as to judgment because he says the, um, the ruler of this world is judged. And this is the thing. Uh, sometimes we look at God as just this jolly old grandpa. He's got a big beard and he just loves us and he's all ruffling our hair and I don't know about you, have you ever sent your kids to your, your parents' house and maybe for a few days or a week and you get them back and you have to deprogram them? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, um, <laughs> um, I, I, my, my mother-in-law, who I love very much, Jan, I love you if you're watching this. I'm about to tell a story about you. So, um, so my mother-in-law and I, we were meeting. They had had our kids for like a week and um, and we were meeting at a halfway point, which just happened to be an ice cream shop, okay? I'm just saying it was luck. That was all it was. So we met at this place, Brahms Ice Cream and Dairy Store in Ardmore, Oklahoma. So we meet there, it's halfway point, and we get there. And I tell the girls, we get out, and I'm like, hey, girls, good to see you, hugs. We go, hey, you guys wanna get some ice cream? They're like, yeah, of course, right? So we go in, we're eating ice cream, and it's me and my girls and my mother-in-law, and Emma says, this is, uh, this, uh, this is the third time we've had ice cream today. I said, it's 11 o'clock. Like, yeah, I know, we had it for breakfast. Said, you had it twice for breakfast? You had ice cream twice for breakfast, is that right? And, and Jan, my mother-in-law, she's the nicest person in the world. She just, <laughs> you know, like, Oops, uh, was I not supposed to do that? I wasn't aware. And it's crazy because something happens between the time your children uh, get older and out of the house and the time you have grandkids. Like you, you lose the ability to say the word no. Like it just disappears from your vocabulary entirely. And sometimes we look at God as that way. We think God, oh, God's just loving and caring and he'll let us get away with anything and he has to forgive us because he's God. What we see here, we see here that, that Jesus says, that the Holy Spirit is gonna convict concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He makes it clear that God judges and he judges all of us, but he specifically judges those that are far from him, those that are gonna be held accountable. And so there is judgment for us that's coming for the world. And, and this is what the Holy Spirit does, but I think the Holy Spirit convicts Christians as well. Uh, just because you are a Christian doesn't mean you don't sin. I know you look at me and think, Mel, how could you ever sin? I'm sure your life is perfect. You never have a bad day. You never have an issue, but I've got a secret for you. Sometimes I mess up. Don't tell anyone, right? We all have bad days. We all do stupid things. We all do something without thinking about it. It happens every day. I have to repent every day. I don't have to get saved again. I don't have to be saved. Uh, but what I have to do is go, God, man, I can't believe I had that attitude. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I acted that way. God, I'm repenting of that. I'm turning away from that. I'm never going back to it. 
We have to do that every day. So the Holy Spirit convicts even believers of sin. I believe that the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness as well because some of us just wanna stop sinning. If I can just stop sinning, if I can just stop um, going to that website, if I could just stop gossiping, if I could just stop whatever it is, we think I'm just gonna knuckle up, I'm just gonna white knuckle it all. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna stop sinning. And that is not enough. It's about pressing into the glory of God. It's about being a vessel of his glory. And if we're just focused on not sinning, we don't get it. But what the Holy Spirit does is he helps convince us or convict us of righteous living and right thinking. So instead of just trying not to sin, we start making the choice to press into the Lord. And then he talks to us about judgment as well. I think if our judgment will line up with the judgment of God, it will help us avoid sin altogether. So instead of having to ask and be convicted of sin, I think we can get to a place where we begin to have the mind of Christ and we begin to align ourselves with God's judgment and and what he thinks and how he views the world and it will help us avoid sin altogether. I'm not there, but I'm working on it. But I think that's how the Holy Spirit works. He convicts, that's what he does. In John chapter 14, verse 25, Jesus says this, these things I have spoken to you for, while I am with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Now, this is important because the Holy Spirit helps us. How many of you need help once in a while? Okay, the rest of you are liars. We all need help. Every single one of us need help in this world. All of us have to have help sometimes. We can't do it on our own. And I love that God said that the, or Jesus said the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's sending the Holy Spirit and he's sent in the name of Jesus. And he says he'll do two things. He will teach you all things. This might shock you. I don't wanna blow your mind too much. I didn't always have the best grades in school. Sometimes it was because I was lazy and I just didn't want to do the work. Sometimes I didn't show up for class. Girls, don't listen to me. You need to do better than me, okay? Um, Sometimes I just slacked off. But once in a while, I had a bad teacher. Once in a while, I had a teacher who I thought, man, I'm the dumbest human that ever lived. I don't get any of this stuff. Like, I'm working hard to try to figure it out. And what I realized is everyone in the class was flunking. And so what I realized is maybe if everyone in the class is flunking, it's not the students, but it's the teacher. Like, so sometimes there's a bad teacher. But typically, the problem was mine. Typically, I wasn't applying myself. Typically, I wasn't working hard. I wasn't trying my best. And that's where the problems happened. Because I thought, oh, I'll do fine. Yeah, I'll just coast through. And I'd get to the test and I would flunk the test. And I would wonder, why did I flunk the test? It's because I wasn't applying myself. I wasn't listening to the teacher. I wasn't allowing uh, myself to apply the principles that were being taught in class. And this is what happens in our spiritual life. We're cruising along. We think we're doing fine. And all of a sudden we encounter an obstacle or a test in our lives and we fail the test. And we go, man, I thought I was doing great. What's the problem? God must hate me. No. It's not the teacher's fault. Sometimes we don't apply the teaching to our lives. So as a result, we fail the test. And the Holy Spirit is here to teach us all things. The Holy Spirit is here to help us get ready for the test so that we can pass. But the problem is we don't apply the teachings to our lives. So what we have to begin to do is say, okay, God, I need some wisdom. I need some understanding. I need you to let the, help the Holy Spirit teach me all things. 
Help me see how I need to navigate this relationship. God, help me see how to respond to my boss when he's pushing my buttons. God, help me see these things so when the test comes, I pass. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He goes on to say that he brings to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And I love this. Because sometimes it's something as, as simple as sharing your story or sharing your faith. Maybe you've finally gotten up the courage and you're sharing your faith with a coworker and you get to the moment, you're like, hey, uh, let me, let me, let me, let me, um, I need any, um, I'm right? Like you're stumbling, you're trying to, um, um, this is what the Holy Spirit will do. I don't know how many times I've talked to people and they've said, hey, I shared, I shared my story with somebody at my work and I don't even know how I did it. Like the word just came out and it was amazing. And, uh, and I, man, I just want you, they're coming to church this weekend. That's so awesome, that's so great. And what they didn't recognize is that the Holy Spirit gave them the words. The Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance verses that they didn't even know that they remembered. They, the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance the words of Jesus. Does that make sense? But then there's situations like this. Maybe you encounter a difficult day. Maybe you get bad news about your kids. Maybe you uh, get bad news about work or about your finances or about your health. And you're in that moment. And this is something so important that Kim said last week. She said the Holy Spirit reminds us of who and whose we are. And this is what happens. The Holy Spirit will remind us of the words of Jesus. Because the enemy will tell us one thing, but then the words of Jesus will tell us another thing entirely. So we get this bad news about our health. And we go, oh my gosh. I can't believe that. And then the Holy Spirit will whisper to us, no, 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 that's not who you are. This is who you are. Let me, let me remind you of the words of Jesus in your life. Let me, let me tell you about what Jesus said about you. Let me tell you about who Jesus says you are. And it's a reminder to us of, of who Jesus is and who we are in him. The Holy Spirit does that for us. He brings to our remembrance all that Jesus has said to us. That's a comfort to us. That, that's what he does. He's a comforter. In in Acts, uh, the Apostle Paul, before he was Paul and wrote portions in the New Testament, he was Saul. That was his name. He was, um, he was in Jewish um, re- religious system. And one of his goals was to snuff out Christianity. It was kind of a fledgling um, offshoot of Judaism at the time. And so his goal was to crush it. And so he did it ruthlessly. Um, he, he would persecute, but then even go so far as to allow Christians to be killed. And, and so he was pursuing Christians to snuff out Christianity. And he had this powerful encounter with Jesus Christ. And he, he, was, he was literally he turned around. His life turned around in that moment. So he went from being a persecutor of Christians to being the greatest preacher of Christianity that ever lived. So when he approaches the church to say, hey, I don't want to kill you anymore. I want to be a preacher. The Christians were a little leery, right? They were a little, it was a kind of dubious uh, reputation that, that Paul had. He had been killing some of their friends and now he wanted to be accepted. So they weren't accepting him with open arms. They were kind of keeping him at arm's length a little bit. And so there was some, there was some tension in the church about what do we do with this guy? He was just killing us. Well, do we have to accept him? No, I don't know. So some leaders wanted to accept him, some didn't. And so they got to the point where they finally learned how to trust him. They saw the fruit of his life and they began to trust him. And this is what it says in Acts chapter nine, verse 31. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. So the church in those areas had peace instead of strife and conflict and they were being built up. And it says, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. 
So the church was at peace and being built up and they began to walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And when they did that, the church multiplied. They began seeing more people saved and more people being transformed, more people coming to know Christ than ever before. When they submitted themselves to the Holy Spirit and, and they walked in the fear of the Lord and they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That is what he wants to do. He wants to comfort us. Jesus said in John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. He's saying, I'm going away, but the one I'm sending to you is going to comfort you. We saw orphans this week in India. We saw them by the hundreds, literally. And these were orphans that were comforted. They didn't feel like orphans because they had a family. They had people taking care of them. But what Jesus is saying is some of you feel abandoned and you feel defenseless, you feel hopeless, you feel like you don't have a future. Jesus is saying, I'm not leaving you like that. I'm sending a comforter. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to guard you and guide you and direct you to give you a future. You don't have anything to worry about because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comforts us. John chapter 16, verse 12, it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm trying to tell you what I can about going away and about the Holy Spirit coming. There's so much to say. I can't even get to it all. And if I could get to it all, your brain couldn't contain it. It would blow your mind. So he said, I can't get to it. But in verse 13, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So what's he gonna do? Guide you into all truth. He's going to help you see what truth really is. Not the world standard of truth, but truth according to scripture and according to the word of God. And he says, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So he says he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's prophecy. Verse 14 says, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what we see here is a couple things. Number one, he says that he will declare to you the things that are to come. And Jesus uses the word declare here a couple of times. And the word declare is the same one we see in the book of Isaiah. And in the book of Isaiah, God says, uh, he makes declarations several times, actually about 40 times in the book of Isaiah. And Jesus was very well acquainted with the book of Isaiah. We see him quote it several times in scripture. So what we see is uh, in Isaiah, when God declares the future, he, he says that it is his sole domain to do that. No one else can do that except God. And so what we see here when Jesus quotes this and says that, that the Holy Spirit will declare to you the future, what he is saying is the Holy Spirit is God. He is speaking with the authority of God. That, that God speaks to him and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. That's how that works. So he uses this word declare and it's so important because it helps us see that he is deity. He is God. But then we see this last portion and it says he will glorify me. And this is such a beautiful picture of what godly community looks like. Because God sent Jesus and the Holy Spirit to earth. And what we see is Jesus never takes credit. He never says, hey, can I get everybody to gather around a little bit? I feel a little sapped and I need some worship. So everybody worship me together and I'm just gonna bask in it. So you just go, one, two, three, go, worship. All right, like, right? That doesn't happen. What does he do though? He continually points people back to God. Continually points people back to the Father and says, no, 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 no. I'm not good. You know who's good? God is good. You tried to worship me, no, 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 don't worship me. Let's worship God in spirit and truth, right? And then he gets to the end of his life and he goes, hey, guess what? I've gotta leave because somebody's coming. He's gonna be fantastic. It's the Holy Spirit, he's your comforter. I'm going away so he can come and it's gonna be great. 
So what's he doing? He's pointing people to God and to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit continually points us back to Jesus Christ, points us back to God. And what does God do? He's continually pointing back to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus, giving credit. And this is a picture of what godly community looks like, because when we're living rightly together in godly community, it's not about us getting credit or glory. It's about us pushing the glory away and pushing the credit away and going, oh, no, no, you, you, you think I'm doing good? No, you need to look at this person. Man, look at what they're doing. Look at look what God has done through them. It's so incredible. Nobody ever gets fight over uh, gets in fights over sharing the glory, right? <laughs> we get in fights whenever we don't get enough glory. Well, I didn't get credit. I wrote that report. Why did Jensen get the credit for it? I can't believe it. He's got the corner office. I, I deserve the corner office. That's not what happens in godly community, though. What happens in godly community is we go, man, good for them. They got the corner office. Man, I'm going to celebrate that with them. Glory to God. Man, they, they got a new car. They were, praise God, they got a new car. Man, look at that house. Did you see the house they got? Man, praise God they got that house. I'm celebrating with them. But too many times we go, why did they get a house like that? They don't deserve a house like that. I work just as hard as they do. And we don't say that stuff out loud because we're too pious and holy to do it, but we say it in our hearts. But that's not godly community. What we see here is godly community and what that looks like. I'll get away from that. I could tell that part was popular, so I'll move away from it now. Galatians chapter five, verse 16 says this. I won't read this whole passage, but it says, um, this is Paul talking to the, the Galatian church. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, so many of us, like I said earlier, are trying not to sin. But what Paul says is don't be focused on not sinning. Be focused on walking with the spirit because if you walk with the spirit, you don't have to worry about sinning anymore. He goes on to say, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. They're literally at war with you. You, you wanna do something and, and if you're living in the world, if you're not a Christian, you're not walking with God, you have your own desires and what the Holy Spirit does is he tries to dissuade you or he tries to um, convince you not to live the way you wanna live. So that's why when you do something that maybe isn't godly, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and go, man, I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know. It's because the Holy Spirit's trying to convince you not to live the way you wanna live. And likewise, as Christians, we, we are doing our things, trying to serve God, and we have these temptations that come along. And what is that? That's the flesh saying, you don't wanna do that. You, you don't wanna go to church. You wanna do this instead. Wouldn't it be more fun if we did this? Because the flesh is trying to convince you to do what you don't wanna do. And that's what, that's what we see here. There's these two roads, these two paths we can choose. And if we choose to walk with the Spirit, we will by default leave the flesh behind. I said, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And it talks about the works of the flesh there. And then it comes back in verse 22 and it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now listen to this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we are Christians and we claim to be Christians, then we have to walk with the Spirit. We have to keep up with Him. We can't get distracted by every little thing that comes along. Now, have you ever taken a child on a walk before? <laughs> and it's like, you, can you just keep up? Can you, come on. And the older they get, the little easier it is. And I know I've got long legs, but my daughters, we'll go on a walk together and we'll go as a family and I will walk. And I don't, I'm not like speed walking like the Olympics where you're swiveling your hips and like, 
You know, I'm not, I just did it. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm just walking. My camera people aren't keeping up with me because of my speed walking. I'm just walking. But Emma, it gets concerned. Emma wants, Daddy, can you slow down? You're leaving people behind. And part of me wants to say, well, just walk faster. Just keep up, right? They got short legs. It's okay. I love their legs. But sometimes they get distracted. We got the dog with us sometimes, and the dog gets distracted. And sometimes they don't keep up, and so I have to slow down a little bit. But this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit says, hey, come with me. I've got something incredible for you. We go, okay, let's go. And we start on this journey, and we start on this walk, and then we go, oh, that's pretty. Why don't we, why don't we do that instead? And the Spirit's going, can you, can you just keep up? Can you just, come on, we've got, we're, we're going someplace. We go, but, but I want to do this, and let's go over here instead. And the Holy Spirit's going, just Keep up, walk with the Spirit. And too many times as Christians, we get focused on things that don't matter. We get sidetracked on things that don't matter when all we're supposed to be doing is walking with the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. And if we would just do that, we would bear fruit and we wouldn't have to worry about all the things we worry about in this world. When I first came to the summit, um, one of the things I said was, I want us to be a church where we see the power of God at work among us. And that's what I want to see. Because um, if we're going to be honest, a good message doesn't change anybody. I mean, if we're going to be honest, a week from now, you won't remember what I preached today. You might remember a story or the ice cream story or something, but you won't remember this message. That's just part of it. So messages don't change people. Songs don't change people. The only thing that changes people is the power and spirit of God at work in our lives. So if we're a church that has good messages and has good singing, but we don't have the power of God at work in our church, we're really not changing people. So I wanna see the power of God at work in our church. This is what I said to our church when I first came. I said, um, if I have to pick between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit at work in our church, I'll take the fruit of the Spirit every day of the week. Because I've been in churches where we saw the gifts of the Spirit at work and somebody would give a prophetic word or something like that in, in our midst and this person would give a word but then that same person would gossip about everybody in our church later on. What good is that? How does that benefit or help anybody? It doesn't. So if I had to pick one or the other, I'm gonna take the fruit of the Spirit every day of the week because the things that we just talked about are the things that changes us. Those are the things that change our community. Those are the things that change our world. But I don't think it's an either or proposition because we don't have the fruit of the Spirit at work in us unless the Holy Spirit is present. So if the Holy Spirit is present and he's bearing fruit in us, then why don't we take the next step and let the Holy Spirit give us his gifts and give us his power and his empowerment as well. See, the gifts of the Spirit won't continue long in an environment without the fruit of the Spirit. It might for a season or for a while, but it won't last long. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, the last thing is he empowers uh, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, he said this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now he doesn't say here, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will start acting weird among your community. That's not what it says. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will feel good and get goosebumps during worship. No, do you know why? Because that's not why the Holy Spirit was sent. The Holy Spirit was sent to empower us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit was sent to us and given to us as a gift so that it would empower us 
to live a godly lifestyle, to share our faith and embolden us to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, wherever we go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's like saying in Indiana, Indiana County, in the United States, and in the world. That's what Jesus is interested in. He's not interested in making us feel better. He's interested in empowering us to reach lost people. The apostle Peter, uh, he, um, he, he had this moment where Jesus said, you're gonna deny me three times. And Peter goes, no, you're crazy, I'd never do that. Then we read, fast forward in the story and he denies Jesus three times. He's confronted and says, no, 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 I don't know who Jesus is. What are you talking about? He says, hey, you're one of the disciples. No, I don't, I'm not a disciple, you're crazy. I'm, I'm not a disciple. I don't know Jesus. And he denies him three times. So the same disciple that didn't have the guts to stand up for Jesus in that moment, he's in the upper room. He's waiting on the Holy Spirit. He did what Jesus asked him to do. And in, verse, in Acts chapter two, verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They were all present in this room waiting on God to show up. Now, it's really important to understand this word together here. Um, it's not just, um, it doesn't just mean that they were physically in the room at the same time. Because we've talked about this word a little bit before, but just because you're in a room with someone doesn't mean you're like-minded. It just means you happen to be occupying the same space. But what this word here means is that they were like-minded. It comes from the Greek word homothumadon. And this word homothumadon means same spirit or same fire, same passion. These people were together. They were united. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. Um, Steeler Nation. We're watching the Steelers. They're playing the Dallas Cowboys. It's a tied game. They go into overtime. The Steelers have fourth down, long to go. The clock is winding down. Big Ben takes the snap. He rolls out, throws a Hail Mary to the end zone, bobbled around. And at that moment, a receiver for the Steelers pulls the ball in. And it's a touchdown. And the Steelers win the game. In that moment, grown men who are made of stone, who have never cried a moment in their life, they begin to weep openly. They begin jumping up and down with other men that they don't know, cheering. Thousands of people all over Steeler Nation begin cheering together. They don't even have anything in common other than they love the Steelers. What does that mean? That's homothumadon. That is the same fire, the same passion. We see it in things like that. And what we see here in Acts chapter two, verse one, is there was homothumadon present. These people have very different in some of their backgrounds, but they came together and they said, you know what, none of those things matter. What matters is we have the same passion and the same fire. We're like-minded. We wanna pursue Jesus. We wanna see what God wants to do in this place. It's necessary in marriages. It's necessary in churches. If we wanna see God move in miraculous ways among us in our lives, if we wanna see the power of God at work in us, in your marriage, in yourself, uh, in this church, what we have to have is homothumadon. We have to be like-minded. We have to have the same spirit, the same passion. And that's what we see here. So they were all together in one place. They had this, this supernatural visit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved in their presence manifest itself, and they leave there. So the same man who just a few days before denied that he even knew Christ, he has this empowerment from the Holy Spirit in the upper room, and he leaves there, and he goes out uh, to, to uh, the, the community. And at that time, thousands of Jewish 
uh, people from all over the world had come together for this festival in Jerusalem. And so they go out and they begin preaching the gospel with boldness and authority to people who were not believers in Christ. And this is what it says in Acts chapter two, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they is the unbelievers. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So they heard the gospel and they said, we wanna respond to this. What do we need to do now? And this is what it says in verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will, be, uh, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from the crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The same guy who didn't have the guts to admit that he even knew Jesus had this encounter with the Holy Spirit, this encounter with the presence of God. And it changed him, he was empowered. He was empowered to be a bold witness, to share his faith. He was empowered to live a godly life that was unwavering. He was empowered to be who God called him to be and to do what God had called him to do. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be talking about um, the gifts of the Spirit and what that looks like. Uh, and what we're gonna be doing is just demystifying it. We're gonna be helping you understand why it's important, why it's important uh, in your everyday life to, to walk and stay in step with the Spirit because it is important. So we wanna help unpack that for you and, and walk this out together so we can understand this together. This is what's gonna happen. The worship team is gonna go ahead and come back up. And in just a moment, our prayer team's gonna come forward. And if you're here today and you wanna be prayed for for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life, for, for this empowerment that we just talked about, our prayer team's available. They wanna pray with you today before you go. You don't have to wait. But we'll be doing this over the next few weeks, praying together and believing together because there's more to our Christian life than just getting to heaven. There's more to our Christian life than just making it. God wants us to make an impact in our world and in our community. God wants you to live your life with boldness, with passion, with authority. That's not, it's unwavering. That's what he wants for you. And it's, Nearly impossible to do without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. This is what I'd like us to do now. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. And I just wanna ask you, if you're here today, and you say, Mel, you know what? I'm not really a Christian. I'm not really serving God. I'm not walking with the Lord. Uh, but I know I need to be. And, um, and I wanna make that decision today. I wanna begin that journey today. If that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you where you're at, right in your seat. So if you're here today and you'd be bold enough to say, that's me, pray for me, would you just lift your hand real high where I can see it and acknowledge you? And you can put your hand back down. Is there any that say, that's me, pray for me. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life today. Okay. Jesus, I thank you so much for loving us and caring for us. I thank you that you loved us enough to go away so that you could send the Holy Spirit. I pray today um, you would help us see the Holy Spirit for who he is and what he wants to do. And help us, help us to demystify him in our own hearts and minds. Help us to see who he really is in our own hearts and minds. And help us to be comfortable with who he is. 
So Lord, have your way with us. Speak into us in this place. I pray that you reveal yourself more to us this week, God. Open up our eyes to who you are and what you wanna do. Have your way among us. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, this week, do me a favor. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be talking through this topic. Um, but we're gonna spend a lot of time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So I wanna encourage you, um, take some time and read through those two chapters over the next week and week or two. Um, read through that and ask God just to give you understanding and give you wisdom. Ask God to sit, let the Holy Spirit teach you all things so that you can understand what, what is being taught there and talked about there. And we're gonna come back. We'll be unpacking that over the next couple of weeks and walking through this together. I'm excited for what this is gonna do in our church. I'm excited for what this can do in your life. And I truly believe it can change our community and change our world. So again, thank you for being here today. The worship team's gonna lead us in one final song and then Todd will dismiss us. Uh, our prayer team's available on either side of the stage. If you need prayer today for any reason, uh, step out as soon as we begin to sing. Find one of our prayer team members and let's pray together. Why don't you stand to your feet all over the room? We'll be dismissed in just a moment, but we're gonna worship together one final time. Guys, I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. Love you, God bless you.